Welcome to Splunk Talk, the Splunk podcast that's all Splunk and no junk. I am your host, Birch, and he is... How? <laughs> um, but we've got a great episode for you today here at Conf21. We're going to have Antoine Toulmy join us in just a minute to talk about blockchain. But before we get into any of that, a quick gracious thank you to Splunk TV for uh, providing us yet another opportunity to broadcast our love for Splunk through our podcast here live at Conf. Um, Hal, how has your Conf been so far? Have you seen been... any great sessions? Yeah, lay it on me, man. Uh, it's been great. I'm having a lot of fun. I um, I, I, I do have to admit something um, just to you privately, Birch. Um, I, uh -oh. took a, I, I, I took a work meeting in between. <gasps> yeah. It was on my calendar. Like I, I, I just kind of like, you know, meeting, 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 meeting. And I just like accidentally joined a work meeting right in the middle oh. of conf. See, that's do that is the singular downside to a virtual conf. Actually, I will say that that's the yeah accident. It's just, you know, I couldn't help it. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a little harder to just cancel out everything on the calendar. Right? You yeah. know, like when you're when you're on site. Yeah. Um, are you going to be OK? Like, do you need? Yeah, I think I'll be okay. okay. I think I'll be okay. I did actually block out my calendar, but you know, they, these things that just they kind of sneak up. Hal, I think you're yeah. asking for a hug. I think that's what's <laughs> happening. I do actually. What I want to do, I want to, I want to talk about. We we had we asked a couple of um, our friends at the company some questions just to kind of you know see what Splunkers were thinking about. Um, you know, kind of headed into conf, and um, I asked. Let's see. I asked the sales engineering crew, I said, you know, what are some mm. interesting bits of trivia? And I asked product what their favorite, you know, uh, you know, um, underutilized feature was. And I asked the uh, support folks what, you know, what were some of their favorite tips? And I asked the professional services uh, folks, you know, what were some of their favorite tips? Coming from a little bit different angle. Um, we got several interesting responses. And let me see, I'll, I'll pull out a couple of those right now. Let me see. Here we go. Um, Matthew asks or, or, or says, that, um, did you know? Uh, actually, do you know the what year Splunk became profitable? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, 2018. No, no, it was a little further back. 2009. Close. Oh, 2009? Yeah, you were close. Gap reporting or not gap reporting? You know what? I'm not even going to go there because I don't want to understand that. I do I kind of sort of understand it. Like I, I sort of know you want to leave, about, like leave that as a gap in your mind. <sighs> okay. But Joseph uh, tells us that there's an Easter egg in the Splunk Mon S P L U N K M O N binary. And it's Pikachu. <gasps> I did not know this. 
So now, now you know. Now um, I know. I do know of some other Easter eggs, but that is not one that I know. Well, you can share them if you like. Um, I can't see. share. In the meantime, I'll I'm pull sworn, up the, um, I'm sworn to secrecy. The one secrecy. We had a bunch of people who who did say read the docs. Like seriously, read the docs. That that is that is the tip is is to read the documentation. And the funny thing is like, I mean, if you've been listening to the Splunk Talk podcast, you you probably know this already. Um, but we had Chris Gales on. I don't remember what month that was. Birch, do you? It's probably in springtime. Oh I'm yeah, thinking. that was. Uh, I'm gonna say episode three of season two. Yeah, probably. Um, and so he runs the doc team here has for quite a long time and uh, he has a lot to say on the matter so if you're interested in kind of like you know how we do docs and docs is the product that that was a good episode go check that out but anyway read yeah. the docs for real read um the docs. let's see bosley has a good tip here oh. telnet is your friend when troubleshooting issues between forwarders and indexers mm. mm -hmm. yes telnet mm -hmm. is your friend uh and, and open ssl on those endpoints and you can troubleshoot sometimes when when you like have trouble with certificates or something. Yeah, but definitely you, before you even go down that path, you just want to make sure that there's network connection. You can, you can get it's, there. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to yeah. be a big one. You can't actually connect between. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here's one from Dave. And I like the way that he said, we're talking about test and, and development and prod. And his point is everyone has a test environment. Some folks also have a production environment. Think about mm, that. Is that like I don't test? Yeah, I don't test my code, but when I do, I do it in production. Yes, yes, it's one of those. I um I worked with uh uh I don't know if you remember Terry, but um he and I worked together yeah. some time ago. I think you used to work Which, with uh, Terry Martin. Yeah, and yeah. he uh he gave me a quote that I just had I just had my my conf talk about an hour mm -hmm. ago. Cool, cool. And um I always love to reiterate his point that. Uh, if someone depends on it, then it's production. And that was very true for me um, because I worked at, uh, when I was a customer, I was in some places where, where I came in and they were like, well, no, we send the QA data to a QA instance of Splunk. We send dev data to a dev instance of Splunk. But people like the stress and performance team but were very, were using that was production for them. 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 Yeah. And then we all always had that issue of, hey, why does this not work in production, but it works in QA? Well, mm -hmm. how can we correlate those logs if we have them in those different environments? Sure, we can stand up a search head that can search across the two. But, yeah. you know, it starts to beg the question of like, let's just have everything go to production, all that yeah. data yeah. go to production. And then we have our own non-production environments for testing new releases yeah. Splunk or Splunk apps. Yeah, like yeah. testing integrations and yeah. Yeah. Um, let me do a couple more uh, tips real quick and then we will um, yeah. Then we'll get into the the discussion um let's see so i asked the professional consultants also and and i said to everybody i said the same thing i said the rules are be concise you know one one sentence kind of thing the the the, the ps guys they're like you know here's a paragraph and here's a paragraph it was kind of funny predictable predictable yeah um let's see tyler reminds us that that splunk is very io centric io bound often when you're when you're kind of building out the architecture um by the way that's so, my favorite beatles album io yeah io yeah. bound yeah yeah that's a good one um yeah you know that should the, be simon and garfunkel homeward bound yeah go okay. ahead yeah. well now i want to listen to the music anyway no junk just um, punk tyler tyler says um when you're thinking about how to build this architecture out 
anything yeah. once you get kind of like a i don't know a terabyte a day of of size of your, of your environment you need to really think for just super hard super heavy io um like a hadoop cluster like a data warehouse it's it's like that it's not you can't just stick it in a vm with with a little bit of you know slices of of cpu and ram and, and storage and be good it's not going to work out um, yeah, I feel like that was that was a very common thing when I was a sales engineer is um, we would talk to people and they'd say like, oh, yeah, you know, the environment's not very performant. And the first first thing was always, wait, they're all running it on a virtualized machine, like a slice, but it's all hosted on the same physical server. So their entire Splunk stack was yeah, really yeah. one machine. And so it's competing <laughs> against itself. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. They're all trying to do the same thing at the same time. So Physics. if you're trying to like slice one, you know, thing into 20 things like it's, yeah, it doesn't yeah. work out. Um, a couple more real quick. Dave, yeah. he's, he's little self-serving. Like Bring in professional services if you haven't done this before. Like, oh, you know, I mean, some of this stuff is rather complicated. I want it to be easier. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to disagree with that one giant enterprise problems in a complex enterprise, then you got to take a lot of stuff into account. That's all. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge that one because one of the things that I love about Splunk was that I started with it on my laptop sure, and then scaled from there. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would actually encourage people, get, get your feet wet, get your hands wet, get your hands dirty and your feet dirty. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. download it, play with it mm -hmm. because you know, on your own machine, like you can't break anything, right? Like you're just mucking around, sending some of your own machine data in, get a feel yeah. for it. And, um, and then once you realize that you're not comfortable or you're trying to do something at massive scale, yeah, bring in, bring in the experts, just like when you're at home and you're trying to do plumbing on your own. And then you realize, yeah, now I have a leak. I'm going to bring in a plumber. Yeah. All right. Two more quick ones. Um, real quick, Alok and PS, he says, once your environment gets a certain size, maybe 10 indexers, you really got to think about automation. So you do not want to be you know, logging into these servers and doing something once. You need to automate how that's done. He likes Ansible. I like Ansible. Ansible is a fine tool. There's a lot of these tools, um, you know, different ones for different purposes. But do, you know, automate your system configuration in, in Splunk. You'll, it'll pay it back. What kind of stuff would you, would you recommend putting in Ansible that you wouldn't otherwise have in like a cluster master? or a deployment server if you're not clustered? It, it's not that you don't use those, it's that you manage the framework of how you use those things. It, it gets a little meta, but like you're going to, in the deployment server, what do you give it? You give it apps and those apps have comp files, right? Well, mm -hmm. where do you store the apps? You store the apps in um, you know source code repository, like a Git or whatever, and then you manage the checkout of that into the place where deployment server will get it and then distribute it. That's that's one way. Um, but also like you think about the, um, what is it, serverclasses.conf? Is that the one where you list out your 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 devices? Yeah. Um, how do you manage that file? You, you shouldn't manage that by hand. You should refer to inventory that, that exists outside of there and then generate the contents of that file. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, I'm just very embarrassed because I still manage it by hand. Well. Do you have 10 indexers, uh, Birch? I, I am, uh, I don't, I, I'm See? afraid of embarrassing myself. All right, fine. Okay, one last one. Yeah. From product, I asked what was their favorite kind of least utilized feature. And Haley mm -hmm. says 
the auto regress command, and I have actually never used this one, but but her tip is uh, you use auto regress followed by sort, uh, and then a field equals previous field. It's great for doing some quick transaction esque tracking. So oh, I cool. would dig into that. But I know there's some really neat things that you can do with the search language to take, you know, problems that they look like problems that, oh, hey, you know, transaction is uh, doesn't scale. Well, okay, you can use sort, you can use auto regret, you know, there's there's other ways, you know, stats, right, lab, whatever, there's other ways to do it. But anyway, thank you, everybody that submitted some tips. Now, that was um, great. Search. What? What's next? What's next? I don't know. I thought we'd sit here in silence for a while. Is that okay? Okay, yeah, about Okay. 20 minutes? Commence. Yeah, 20 minutes. Okay. Um, actually. <laughs> uh, um, I can't no, believe that's the first time, anyone, first time anyone's ever applauded for us. <laughs> ouch. Um, ouch. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I think we have a special guest that we want to bring on. And... Um, revisit a, a, a topic that we talked about uh, some time ago, but go a little deeper in it. Um, does that sound good to you, Hal? I think that's a grand idea. Okay, well then, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Antoine over. All right. Now so here's the applause. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Antoine, it's sunny where you are. Besides your disposition, it does look bright in the room. Where are you that it is sunny? It is my very own garage. And I have a very warm uh, light coming from this lamp right over here to, to give me a little bit of a, a nice tan to go with the, the French accent. Oh, a French. Are you, are you in? Are you in a place where people speak French? No, I'm in San Jose, California been been here for a little while uh yeah so yeah it's uh there there are quite a few french in the day but uh yeah we mostly speak english around here so how nice. long have you been in the states oh i moved here uh over 10 years ago now so um, okay. pretty much I'm, what if he said 10 minutes i would have um Same. yeah i would have asked him you know what was his meal last night because i i'm kind of fascinated french cuisine is probably the the hardest <sighs> to find in my area if you just think about some of the more popular uh cuisines in the world there's no french places around so i know very little about it and i do enjoy food mm -hmm. but um, yeah i mean um absolutely so we make our own ratatouille my wife made some ratatouille last night uh we we grow our own veggies at this point we got the eggplants going we have uh some you know so a whole garden front yard um we have some fruit trees as well. We've got some pomegranates that are coming to fruition. We're, we're going to make some jam this weekend, hopefully. Neat. So and if you weren't easy. hungry yet, you are now. <laughs> I'm, my dinner literally, like, if we can end early, like, I'm, I'm hungry. So let's, Oh, let's okay. Priorities oh. over here. No, I do um, it looks like we've got, the, we've got the U.S. Uh, coasts covered over here. We've got um, Hal and myself over on the East Coast, Antoine over on the West mm -hmm. Coast. Um, Antoine, every, uh, every guest, we always like to start out, um, uh, first I, I'd love to hear, you know, just what, what are you working on here at Splunk? And then we'd love to hear your, your origin story. So, and, and I always ask what, what you did before and yeah. 
Go ahead, huh? And I always ask people um, to recite prime numbers, starting with, you know, their favorite, Ooh. and then working backwards uh, in order of preference. <laughs> you know, I'll go with Never. Just we'll just do the the origin story. Yeah, yeah. So just okay, kind of yeah. tell us how you came to be at Splunk. Um. Sure. So uh, what I do at Splunk is uh, I managed our blockchain team. Our blockchain team has been mostly helping uh, Splunk customers embrace all use cases around blockchain. So anything around monitoring uh, blockchain nodes and, and software or building on top of ledger data. So we can actually have analytics and dashboards based on blockchain activity. There was a, a great talk today from BlockFi where um, one of the presenters actually made this, this distinction very well. He said, hey, on one end, you have all the software you have to now make sense of, right? So it's nothing, you, just like a database, just like everything else, you now have to take into account this new software. And on top of that, the software is emitting a large amount of data that you're going to have to account for. So all this uh, is going to run on your ledger. It's going to have to make sense. It's going to have to, parts of your security uh, some of those attacks are going to happen directly on the ledger. Um, and and back up and, and kind of establish some baseline for a lot of people that might be generalists and really want to understand okay, what, what is a ledger in this context. So we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. but before, okay. we do that before we do that, I do want to kind of like go back in time a little bit and understand, like, what did you do before Splunk? How long have you been at Splunk? And kind of where are you coming from? Oh. We can kind of so I want to get back to the to the DLT. I promise we will. <laughs> sure thing. Um, I I joined Splunk at a very interesting moment. Uh, I joined Splunk in March 2020. So oh. pretty much I joined the office, right? That was that was in yeah, the pandemic. In. That was because of me, right? I, I don't know if you knew this, but <laughs> um, and um, so I've been to the office now twice. So I now mm -hmm. know that there's an office. I can confirm it, um, and it's it's an interesting place. Uh, it's uh, it's very nice. Um, yeah. But mostly, uh, I haven't actually met my team face to face ever since I joined Splunk. Yeah, weird. Uh, so it's it's extremely weird. Um, I only know the front of the face. I, I don't know if they have a back to their head uh, yet. We have to work on that. That's, uh, yeah, Nate does. Stephen does not. I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> Yeah, interesting fact. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it might get disturbing at some point. Um, so they're, they're just a facade, um, like the, ho the houses that they yeah. film movies at. Yeah, it's actually two dimensional. Mm -hmm. Everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they were they were paper masks and you know just yeah, yeah. something weird. Um, and and so our team is about you know uh, six seven people. Um, we we're very much an exploratory team. We're trying to really help customers at Splunk understand how to use blockchain in their journey, how to make sense of that. And before that, I was already in blockchain. So before that, I was actually working on some of the, the protocol development for Ethereum uh, at Consensus. Uh, I was building all sorts of uh, interesting constructs and that even became eventually an open source project from which I'm, a, I'm still a committer to this day called Hyperledger Besu, um, which is a, an Ethereum client. If you run this, then you can actually synchronize with the chain, you can participate in blockchain. Right. So, awesome. So um, let's pull apart some of these concepts and just kind of make sure that everybody understands it enough to know why are we bothering? You know, like why it's Splunk? Why is it important to us uh, that we think that we have mm -hmm. something to add to this space, which is a little complicated. I mean, I think it's fair to say 
that this is a complicated area. And mm -hmm. in order to, I mean, I've gone through this kind of phase of like, you know, understanding what a new technology is. You have all these term terms and some of them in blockchain and distributed ledger, um, they're not very natural. Like it's, it's, you have analogies that work, you know, like mining, you know, people at this point, they kind of understand that, okay, I'm mining something, you know, Bitcoin didn't exist as, as one cryptocurrency example. And then it existed because we did a thing and we call that mining. But, you know, why does it have to be that way? Why does it take so much, you know, power and effort to, you know, co computational power to do that? So there's, you all ha you have the kind of like, a, this is a currency or a collectible, you know, where we're trading money, there's no centralized party. So I understand all these mm -hmm. concepts, like kind of going through that, that kind of learning process. You're way ahead of me, right? You're, you're in the, in the depth of it and thinking about the protocols and, you know, what's going to be important to somebody that is building products in that space kind of take us through the, the like what is important to you know build a new blockchain out or you know what is a what is hyperledger and how's that you know connect to things so let's talk about some of those let's talk about important stuff huh so yeah and just to show how complex this topic is we had nate on for an episode to talk <laughs> about blockchain and it's sure. so dense or were so dense <laughs> that we're revisiting it. Um, mm. You but know, I think a great, I, Hal, <laughs> Hal, you, you queued up a, a lot. Like there are certainly a lot of topics that like the analogies that and everything. That was like 20 part questions. I did, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, can we, let's start with the why. Like, like oh. what, what, what pain point does blockchain solve? Okay. Yeah, that's that. a good point. Um, so, <laughs> He's like going to change, change careers. You know what? Never mind. He, he regrets <laughs> being here. <laughs> it's a very slow database. That's what it is, right? A very slow, very slow database. Okay. That everybody gets a copy of. You can have it on your hard drive. It starts pretty small. After millions of blocks, you start having 500 gigabytes worth of data that you're storing, right? And the only value that this blockchain has is that eventually everybody has agreed on those blocks. Everybody has agreed of the value that were stored on that ledger, right? So the ledger that I was alluding to earlier is that it's a database that has been ordered according to transactions. So you can actually walk back those things one by one, and you can make sure that you come to the same conclusion as everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, the value of that is, um, well, have you ever tried to have an Excel spreadsheet that you would share with colleagues and you would send it to each other over email? That's is it at its core solving for like consensus authority? Like we all agree that this thing is true because we all have evidence that it happened. And, yes, and at and its core is, is it like at, at its core, that's what blockchain is trying to do. And the, you mentioned right off the bat, it's slow, which tells me the point here is not mm -hmm. to create a performant thing. It, the point here is to create an authority. That's right. Yes. Okay. And you want to be as authoritative as possible, as secure as possible, right? So for example, for Bitcoin, it would take 10 minutes for you to get to the next block because on purpose, they make that slow to have maximum security there, right? They don't want to mess around. Um, and um, the interesting part too, is that um, that's, it's probabilistic. So your block is not final until 
there's enough blocks on top of it that you know there's a very small chance that your block is rebuilding. So it's possible that the, the top of the chain might not be wrong always, right? But all the time, it will it will kind of straighten up and create a, a straight line by which you can you can see that there is only uh, one truth. Right? So let me let me compare that to the status quo of a different payment system. And first of all, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stimulating that we're talking about a payment system, and and maybe we should make the point after later that that these are not necessarily payment systems. But anyway. I, you know, I write a check. So we'll, we'll think in old school. I write a check, I give it to somebody, and then I'll take you know, it. Somebody else, you know, takes the check and you deposit the check, right? So that's like, you know, days of processing. And then you go, or or you log on to something that is pretty automatic, pretty pretty quick and seamless. Like I, I issue issue a payment to you know from my bank to another bank. I know it's, right. it's going to show up, but still a day or two, right? You know, or mm -hmm. if I sell stock. The trade happens mm -hmm. immediately, but the settlement actually takes a, f a few days. So I, I feel like even though it's a slow database, we still actually progressed in a significant fashion, if you think about it. Absolutely. Um, if the, the only issue you're going to have if you use this system is if you try to use it as a database in the first place, right? So mm -hmm. if you try to store every full attribute, every color of the rainbow, uh, that you keep changing those things, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And what you want to do instead is to use it as a source of truth for, uh, for payments, just like that, indeed, or as proofs that you can send to the chain. And those proofs can actually be now, this is maybe I'm going to confuse you a little bit, but those proofs can actually be the proof of multiple things that happen, right? Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't just send a proof of one thing, but you can actually send a proof that 10 things happen in that particular order you can summarize that proof down to a smaller chunk of data and send it mm -hmm. to the chain. So you can actually now cheat a little bit and a little bit faster about okay. the so you and, can and sort of like batch. Like your, you can batch, batch exactly. Okay. Thank you. So, so go ahead, Birch. Well, I, I your um, example, Hal, was stimulating because it made me realize like Thank you. what what is flawed about the the way that I like write a write a check is a bad example but let's say that I like Venmo sure uh mm -hmm. Hal money yeah Venmo, like I mean well I guess that's like the same system but uh and he he cashes it out he deposits the money I gave him so that's two different systems Venmo and his bank the bank of Hal um <laughs> when when he's like cashing out you know, one company says to the other, hey, I'm giving you this money. Um, mm -hmm. That seems to work well. How would yes. blockchain enhance that? And I only pick, again, finance because that is a common transaction format. Similarly, I could say I'm, I'm giving Hal my, uh, my lip balm. Uh, well, we have enough time. Hand. We'll get into some of the non step let's yeah answer this one first yeah. like what what's better improving you know, by this system venmo is fine you should use venmo with how unless you know you realize something um uh -oh. if you use venmo a little bit you'll see that the fees on venmo is actually pretty big right okay. it's not free well for personal uh, it, it's, well, it's not for all of their their 10 percent fees so you actually pay quite a bit uh the other thing is um you know how, right? You know him very well. You know he knows you. He trusts you. 
Hub out. Well, uh, I know him. I don't know if he trusts me. <laughs> oh shoot! Ha, here we go. Well, then how is actually a great candidate for this? As if you know the, the the listeners and viewers, they can imagine if you trusted me. Okay. Yeah. Or vice versa. Pretend. Right. Pretend. <laughs> but now you can also do a, a number of interesting use cases on on, on blockchain here. One of uh, one of them that I like the, a lot uh, came up, I think, a year or two ago. It was called Sabier, which was a, a small startup, for example, where they were actually doing uh, payment streaming. So you would pay by the minute, and it would actually be algorithmically based on the blockchain so that you would actually have a way to pay how, for example, for how much time he would spend with you on a podcast, for example. So you would be able to trigger payment at the start of the podcast. Every minute spent with you is this much. And okay. he could actually check funds as it went through right as part of this right? so you now okay. you can have multiple waves of payment um you can do different types of remittance you can do you know immediately you could pay him but you could also put a, a stopgap order you can have different types all, all the credit uh you know uh, shenanigans you can use right with your friends um okay you could also That's do interesting yeah. so, so i want to I'm just, go ahead and finish your thought, and then I want to pivot a little bit. You know, I'll, I'll finish my thought. I think you might you might quite like it. I'm not sure. So let's say you and Hal decide to go on a weekend trip, and um, you'd like to put some money together so you can get yourself a, a good, you know, uh, hotel in Las Vegas or something, right? So you're going to put money together. Uh, how would you go about doing that? Well, crypto is one way you could possibly do that, right? Where you would be having an account that then could be the place where all the money goes and it's your party account. That's where it's, uh, it's stored. You all uh, put to the pot, you know, 200 and you go then hit the casinos and this is how you're going to have uh, a good night. So that's a possibility you wouldn't have with Venmo, for example. And I'm very so touching the surface. When, when we're talking about things that have nothing to do with payments necessarily, um, mm -hmm. and, and Tom mentioned in chat uh, an, a, a issue, an example that that's, I love, which is um, home titles. H how would home titles be enhanced by this technology mm. or property titles? Uh, so that's interesting because it's it's been on and off for such a long time. When I was at Consensus, that was already the talk of the street. I've had different discussions with others. The reality of it is that I think there are multiple competing initiatives around this market. And you have to think about it in a, in a way where, let's say you want to own a property in a very interesting market. You don't have enough money to pay for this, but you could put money together with tens of friends, right? And it would become an investment. Um, then you could put all this money against the title, which would then be digitized on the chain. And then you would be able to share the rent money, for example, across all tens of you using this approach, or the money could just leave on the account as, as it goes. Um, the problem with this type of arrangements is that if you use a company to help you with this, they're going to take quite a bit of money. It's going to be quite expensive. It's going to be quite difficult for you to, to make that happen, right? So um, how would you go about doing that in a way that would be tokenized in a way where you would be a little faster at those transactions? You would be able to, for example, sell your portion of that title and sell it to someone else who could then participate. And even though nobody else in the assembly knows that person, they can still trust him or her to abide by the rules that you set uh, at the onset when you bought the, the property, right? So this adds more liquidity to how you behave 
um, it had more possibilities for you to to play along with this type of uh, of um, of, uh, of titles. Um, I think real estate is a bit of um, over-regulated, so it's, it's not as much interesting. Um, there are some interesting use cases on crypto, even on the very simple things. Um, if you think about it, if you have crypto money, um, one way you can make money right away is um, you can place it into a locked account and use it to lend it to others and make interest on that, right? Are you familiar with that concept at all? Say one more time. You can decentralized finance. That is that is the one of the like a year ago that came out. That was what they called the DeFi summer, where people started being able to lock their uh, native crypto money and gain interest by making that available to others, so they could have more liquidity. So think of it, this it's as really interesting because you have it's kind of like you have Wall Street doing their things. <laughs> And everybody, well, not everybody, but most people kind of understand what that kind of capital market, what they're doing. And then you look and see what what's being done in this, you know, finance area in, in blockchain. It's yes. like, you don't even understand the words. Like there is so much innovation in there. It's hard to tell like, okay, what's actually valuable? What's going to be significant to track? Um, and we only have a few minutes left. So I want to kind of maybe turn this into the kind of the last thinking here, but um, what's important? And, you know, maybe kind of how, how can we help? So um, we have, we're having a blast because uh, um, this year's Plunk has been really, really successful at lending uh, a, a lot of um, folks and prospects in the blockchain sector. We're seeing a huge maturation of the blockchain industry. So a year ago, I would have told you, hey, you know, we need to go to traditional finance, traditional companies that are interested in piloting crypto. What we're seeing now is that crypto native companies are buying Splunk because they need that because the market is not maturing because now we have a need for security is not going away. All the core Splunk use cases apply to all the crypto companies that are becoming now public, right? That are becoming now extremely successful. Mm -hmm. So um, we used to be more uh, interested in how we could bring uh, traditional companies into this. Now we're seeing how can we bring new companies into Splunk? And that's a very different uh, problem. So we just talked about those companies that are building stuff on top of the chain. I had an interesting conversation with a customer a month ago. They don't have an AWS account, but the company is working very well. They make the printing money right now because everything is on chain. So they moved away from having the need to have their own infrastructure for mm -hmm. everything that is secured to instead trusting the chain to secure the assets and build on top. And now what's really interesting for them is to be able to react in a minute when they see something happening on chain. So um, what does a minute mean in this context in the, in the sense that, you know, like how important is a minute? Maybe that kind of helps people to understand and relate to, okay, I know what Splunk is. I know I have to, you know, a server might go down and, and it's going to impact, you know, the ability for somebody to log into my website. <clears throat> what does that yes. minute mean in this world? Well, uh, let me reframe it. Uh, you just mentioned Wall Street earlier. Wall Street is nine to five EST, uh, Monday, Friday. Crypto mm -hmm. never sleeps. There is a, if you go on Twitter and you talk to crypto people, they are very, very tired, right? Sunday, 2 a.m. <laughs> is the favorite time for, for an outage. Um, and those outages are not just theirs, but pretty much because it's a distributed network, 
um, your stuff will be broken by someone else's machine you've never heard about before. Mm -hmm. So your security vectors are much harder to secure. Your problems are much bigger. And um, there's a block every certain seconds. So when you get hacked, you have to know right away that someone is actually using your code incorrectly, sending the wrong parameters to your contract and starting to get in and starting to get your money away from, for example, your liquidity pool or mm -hmm. the assets you have locked, right? So um, you have to be able to react right away. And I'm, I'm not kidding about the minutes. Uh, it's this much that you need to be able to move that fast because they will drain your accounts pretty quick. So, that makes sense. Yeah. So, and, and we had my apologies. We actually have a little more time than I thought. I was off on the time, so we do have time for more, oh, some no. more questions. And you know, one. I, go ahead, Birch. Well, I I, I just realized um, sort of like a basic concept here that maybe I Antoine pointed out, and it just clicked. The you mentioned like oh with Venmo they take fees, and I'm sitting here thinking, well sure, like if there was a blockchain provider why wouldn't they take fees if there's an opportunity to make money why would you not take money and mm -hmm. what i realized is that i was overlooking and correct me if i'm wrong here that because this is like a shared thing it's it's almost like it's open source so mm -hmm. it, am i correct in drawing the conclusion that like oh no it's not like possible to like make money off your transaction because I mean, like I could be an institution that chooses to like charge you for doing a blockchain transaction, but like the ledger of it is shared. It's, it's everyone is doing it. So it's not like everyone is like charging. Like, is that the premise here? Is what that like, it's almost like not, an open source? Yeah, there was, there was a trend on Twitter for a while where um, they would point out that there's actually a flat fee per transaction. And the fee, for example, is going to be the same if you're moving $25 million or if you're moving $5. So, you know, Venmo might be competitive if you're thinking about just paying for your lunch with how, but if you're moving your life savings, uh, if you're saving, you know, moving quite a bit of money, um, it's really interesting to, to, to be able to, to do that with a flat uh, type of, uh, of pricing. Um, so, that does change uh, the liquidity, the picture of that. Uh, it removes some of the some of the requirements. It makes it a, a little easier on people. Uh, how? What were you going to ask? Um, I, I was going to ask about. Um, okay, so I, there's a lot of there, there's a there's not one coin. There's not one chain. There's dozens and and hundreds of them. So. How is it that that these things? I mean, are they are they meant to interoperate? You know, interoperate. Are there there are things that you can do, you know, on one that you can't do on another that that matter to at the end of the day of, you know, solving some of these distributed consensus problems? Yes, um, there are definitely different use cases in different ways that people have gone about uh, blockchain. Uh, you can think of uh, the Bitcoin blockchain as the, as the first one that was more based around the idea of receipts so you send money and you receive uh, a receipt so you know it's it's not I'm not going to to explain that just now but uh, it's it's very much money based and payments based and in um, ethereum there's now the notion of smart contracts where you can deploy code that is going to 
uh, algorithmically execute when you send the right parameters to either you know, send money transactions across um, different actors. So you, you now have the ability to, to do a lot more where you could, for example, uh, lock some assets between different transactions, uh, uh, pay multiple people at once, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? And, and we're seeing even more than that now. We're seeing uh, chains that have taken this initiative of saying, we're going to have multiple chains talk to each other. And this is going to be, for example, Polkadot or Cosmos, which have built protocols for different chains to interchange between each other. Um, also, chains can talk to each other using what we call bridges. And those bridges are super interesting. They're big points of attack, as you can imagine, because this is where I would go if I was to hack into a chain. Um, they have vulnerabilities because you have now two consensus algorithms that are competing to, to see which one is going to be final. And um, maybe to, to kind of uh, like lift the veil a little bit, when you send dollars to euros, there isn't a, a magic moment where your dollars become euros, right? What happens is that you pay dollars to an account and some other account credits your euro account with euros, right? It's the exact same thing that's happening with blockchains. You send your tokens to a locked account, which is going to lock those Bitcoins, for example. And uh, on the receiving end in your Ethereum chain, for example, we're going to create tokens that represent your Bitcoins and make them available to you on that Ethereum chain. So that becomes um, you know, a great source of tension between all those different protocols to make sure that they are agreeing on what those tokens represent and making sure nobody gets hacked and not, you know, there's no um disproportion between those those different activities but that is so, happening now so so just because we're we are coming up on on time here let's connect it back to splunk uh, what i'm hearing mm -hmm. is a computer-based way of like communicating and recording activity and i have to imagine splunk becomes a great platform to mm, even just monitor like what's the health and security of mm -hmm. of the infrastructure, um, albeit distributed, but there's still like transactions, there's network traffic, there's things happening um, on yeah. these different systems. And I imagine at its most basic, you, you know, you're monitoring some of some of those things, and the use cases can be a little more specialized mm -hmm. because it's a little more mature than just uh, some individual company monitoring their custom application logs. These are these are things that are like generally agreed. Um, mm -hmm. but, is that accurate? And, and are there other avenues? You know, what, what's your take on it? Like, how, how do you see Splunk getting used for this? Oh, so uh, we've had some interesting discussion around that, that use case for um, companies, for example, that are asking us, we'd love to understand the sentiment of people who use our stuff. Are they using other applications on chain besides us? Are they using our competitors? Now we can actually do real data science on everything that's happening on the chain between all the different aspects and all the different people who participate. Uh, they also want to understand uh, who is a faithful customer of ours, who should we reward with interest, who should we, how we should we peg and what dimension and what next strategic initiative should we take, right? Uh, so there's really a, a number of insights you can get from that data which are going to not just be tactical, even security-based, but become part of the strategy. It can even be a community asset. So for example, we've had discussions with folks who want to have a public dashboard they can join, they can show to the committee showing that their whole chain is secure and they're trying to bridge five different chains at the same time, right? So how would you show that 
for them to be able to say, hey, it's okay, you can work with us. Uh, you could, you should come over because Splunk has shown that our stuff is not on fire. Right? Nice. Uh, so I we're we're right up on on time here. Um, is there mm -hmm. is there like a URL or an app or something people can look at to to learn more or double click on this? Sure, uh, you can learn more about us at unblock.splunkdlt.com. Uh, nice. That is our one pager. It's also a public Splunk dashboard that we have published with our uh, UDF publisher. So it's pretty awesome. Nice. Great. Well, thanks a lot for spending some time with us, Antoine. We really appreciate it. Yeah. No really appreciate Anytime. it. Thanks for All making right. it to Splunk Talk. Enjoy the rest of the conference and happy Splunking, everyone. See you in the morning. Cheers.